Hey everybody, thanks for coming to another episode of Adventures in Angola. <laughs> I'm the host, Aaron Frost. I work with Hero Devs and NGConf and uh, some other fun things. Today on the panel, we have a full panel. We have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. So glad to be here, joining you from the road, so I apologize for the noise. The road, the one and only. We have Jennifer Wadella. Hi, I may or may not have food poisoning. Oh. <laughs> we're, oh. doing, we're, we're two for two yeah. right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Good luck on not having it. We have Shai Chesnik. Chesnik. And uh, I have food poisoning, so yeah. <laughs> Confirmed food poisoning. Yeah. And be love, Brian Love, from Europe still, yes? That's right. Yep. We are in Riga, Oi. in the country of Latvia. Oi! Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me. You know, I bet you guys thought I wasn't going to do the oi anymore because of the weird faces Jennifer makes me when I do it. <laughs> but when I was in Vegas, the people were like, I love the oi. So, sorry, Jennifer. You need, you're going to need to persuade someone to say not to say it next time they see me. I'm going to make faces because I'm laughing. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I am, like, all the way team oi. Team oi. Oi. Pity the fool. So I have a few sound effects ready for this one. I have a, the little, like the slide whistle, like the original one from the stage. Like, oh, that's nice. awesome! Yeah, that's great. You know, you can just do comments in the show notes, and I'll put them in for you. What? Yeah, yeah. They'll edit them in after the fact. You just way to steal is fun. Sorry, <laughs> and I'm sure they'll sound just as good. <laughs> they actually find me. That was actually really good. Oh, okay, right. cool. So we have a guest today, though. Sometimes we don't have a guest today, we do. Shlomi Asaf, introduce yourself so that the community can get to know who you are. Hi, my name is Shlomi. I work at uh, Shergain. It's a fintech company based in Israel and uh, London. I do mostly front-end. I'm working with Angular for a lot of years now. I think the, if you're talking about the, about the new Angular, so it's from the start, from the first alphas. Um, and loving it and, and want to thank the Angular team for the product. Uh, I also com- contributed um, some code to the Angular project. Uh, I think, I think I, if I remember correctly, I came up with the idea of, idea of uh, the component template, uh, implemented it, and Mishko, I think, uh, wrapped it up and uh, pushed everything uh, after it. So, love Angular and uh, happy to be here, guys. Thank you. I have to say that I, I personally know Shlomi as a good friend. And is one of the smartest people you'll ever meet, uh, especially regarding to Angular. So no pressure and good luck in this episode, Shlomi. Yeah, NBD, you'll be fine. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code DEVCHAT at Sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code DEVCHAT at Sentry.io. 
So, Shlomi, today we're talking about NG Grid? Yes. All right. There's another oh, thing named similar, so I'm uh, making sure we're talking uh, about the same thing. It's N-Grid. Like, there's no G, N-Grid. no double G. N-Grid. Yeah, N-Grid. N-Grid. Like, angry. I yeah. Do. Okay. N-Grid. The N stands for angular? Yeah? Yeah. It's like N-G-Grid, but N-Grid in one one ball. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Is one of the, yeah. Does the, the one less G make it more efficient? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a quicker install with Yarn or NPM, you know? Yeah. yeah one less key stripe. Yeah. yeah, they did the research. Maybe this is a painful issue, uh, I have to say. Was NGX grid taken? I didn't check. Uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's also under a scope, so... Um, so it's, uh, it's, if, you, if you want to install it, the scope is Pebula. Angry, don't, again, don't ask me about the naming. Naming is very difficult, but Pebula is like... You can uh, paste it in the, in the chat. Yeah, paste it in the show notes, so we'll put it on the, on the site. Yeah, sure. Angrid. Like, what did you create it? Basically, it started uh, two and some months, years ago. I needed a grid that, was, um, uh, that we can customize within my, uh, uh, the company that I previously worked in, uh, Cisco. So I started working on it, and uh, um, a bit by bit, it was just created itself as an open source project, and the uh, rest is history. I was young and needed the grid. That's what you <laughs> yeah, said. Something like that. <laughs> so we all. So you open sorted it from the start? Yeah. I wanted to work with the CDK table. CDK has a lot of features. I wanted something that I can plug into as features. And uh, because the CDK was an open source, I thought that um, putting it open source would be a great, a great idea. I, of course, started as a side project in my work, so there's no issues there. And um, now I think it's very mature and ready to, to get more traction. Up until this point, I didn't publish it, so uh, there's no traction right now. Have you tested the other solution before you started creating it or just created it in parallel? Yes, I did test some projects that uh, exist in Angular, like NGX data table, maybe I think AGGrid, uh, but AGGrid was um, a license, so I wanted something open source completely without uh, any uh, issue with uh, licensing. And um, NGX uh, data source um, had some issues that I had some problem uh, working with. For example, it had... Uh, it mutated the, the records that you provide to the, to the data source, to the data table. So it was an issue for us because uh, it created problems with, uh, with objects. And uh, we wanted full customability. We wanted to be able to plug, it, plug into stuff in an opt-in feature. So if I want to have drag and drop uh, using the keyboard, uh, using the mouse, I just add a, a, a directive on it, which comes from a different library. Uh, a different package, and then you just get that feature instead of uh, having it all in one place in one grid. So this is true for the copy-paste ability, for a selection, for um, uh, columns. If you want to have like a checkbox columns, then you you can also edit as a as a plugin. Everything basically is a plugin except some core features uh, within the table. And yeah. because Angular has directive, this is a great way to introduce plugins. Yeah, I'm looking at the npm JS page and. You've got a bunch of sub packages, which is cool. Uh, I'm wondering how much that how much that shrinks the the size of it, like having them broken out all into individual packages. I'm hoping it helps with the size. Yes, yeah, so it does. Um, but uh, I didn't check. But think about like, for example, drag and drop. So if you want to have drag and drop, you add the package, which also adds the CDK drag and drop package. 
Otherwise, you see, it cascades and you get lots of layers. So just for the drag and drop, you if you don't want it, you save both the CDK drag and both and the, this the library the root specific drag, uh, drag uh, package. So I don't know about the size, but I think it does save some significant uh, significant bundle size. You can also, by the way, I'll paste the link to the page to the URL for, for the documentation. I have. I also want to say that there are. This is also one of the things that uh, I'm now ready to release it um, uh, to, to publish it because the documentation is more mature and uh, you have a search like you have in, in the Angular site and uh, the documentation builds um, on server-side rendering as well. So on the GitHub pages, you have full SSO for Google. So now it's a lot more mature. Of course, everyone that wants to help with documenting stuff and contributing to the project is is much welcome. Uh, I'll just paste the... Um, you are you also have uh, links to stack blitz i see and and yes for issues and uh, there are demos there uh, of course i have also need to say that the grid itself is ui agnostic so it doesn't really have a a, a style like material for example uh, unless you add it so there's another package called and with material which adds material style and theming because again the grid itself is fully themable using sas the theming system is very, it's not similar to, to the material theme system, so you can provide palettes and, uh, yes. and create, define the size of the rows and, uh, you know, the, the cells and width and stuff like that. And you can build on top of that. So I give examples of how you do it with uh, angry, uh, with material. But of course, if I have time or if someone wants to help, I build a bootstrap uh, example and, and other stuff. And a good example for this is the tooltip. For example, if you have a cell and the cell is uh, truncated, like um, you get ellipses or three dots at the end, then uh, there is a plugin called uh, tooltip from the material. So it uses the tooltip to show you the full the full text behind the truncated cell. And of course, it will only do it if uh, it's truncated, if not, it will not. So what I'm hearing is that you're looking for people to help you <laughs> with documentation and with with other stuff on the project. So just a word, uh, again, a recommendation. If you if you want to learn from someone who knows a lot of Angular, join this project and uh, and I'm sure uh, Shlomi will guide you and, and help you with that. I'm curious about the challenges that you had building this project because it seems like a super gigantic like project to take on and you have like AG Grid who is a whole company around yeah. just one grid. So... And- and yes. you are uh, one person, although using the power of material of um, the CDK. But I'm um, like the relationship between the CDK. How much code did you use from there, and also what challenges did you have? So there, are, of course, a lot of challenges. Uh, but the CDK has a lot of uh, the building blocks that you need to build the application. There are some things that go up as the CDK grows up, and of course, I have to revision a lot of things based on this dependency. But in general, it helps a lot. One thing that the CDK lacks is the ability to extend it easily. So most, a lot of things are implemented as a private functions, private methods, which is, I think, uh, an issue with regarding to the CDK because those are building blocks. So at least they should be protected. It's not public, but protected is okay. So if I extend it, I can do it easily. So there are some challenges there. Those mainly revolve around, around the drag and drop feature. But uh, other than that, uh, virtual scrolling was very, very nice to get for free from the CDK. Uh, of course, it required adoption and um, 
uh, other stuff. But all in all, uh, the CDK uh, was a great power behind this. So um, how long did it take you to implement like all the features and get this done? So again, it's, it's about for a period of two years, but I have to say again, because it's a plugin-based architecture, you can do it just piece by piece. And, and as we get requests from, the, from, from my team, uh, from, from the product, and I can implement them. For example, I, I didn't have a state-resistant capability. So if you change the size of the, a cell or you remove one of the cells, hide it, then you want it to be saved. So uh, the request came from, uh, from the product and I just implemented it as a different package. And then you can just opt in, request that persistent, you just need to give an ID to the table, of course, to the grid, and then you just have it for free. And you can customize it if you want, uh, what to save, where to save, when to save, and uh, stuff like that. So I have a question. Um, I'd like to give you a chance to sell me. You've already talked about a lot of the features. You've talked about a lot of uh, a lot. Of a lot. But, like, I'm a community member, right? So I don't mm-hmm. really – let's pretend I don't know who wrote NGGrid, NGrid, who wrote AGGrid, who wrote Bootstrap's table. Like, why would I want to use yours? Like, what are, the, what are the selling points? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is, what is it going to make me say I'm in? I'm in NGrid. And maybe just to add to that, like, also Angular Material has a grid, right? And I mean, if we're listing, Kendo UI has a grid. Kendo, so. yeah, Kendo has a oh, yes. And just also, a also my cousin has a grid. So <laughs> all, all the big component libraries have a grid, right? Like when I started building it, I, I did have some pain points, and, and you can talk about. Uh, you, you mentioned the uh, material grid, which is a good example because in the material grid, you have a grid that you have need to provide the templates within for every cell, uh, or have a generic cell that shows everything. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that you want to show a numerical value based on a, a fiscal value, a financial value, and mm-hmm. you want to have two dots, seven dots, uh, two uh, uh, digits after the dot, or I don't know, five, four, you can create types, you can create a column type, and then you can uh, build it uh, as a template in one place, and then reuse it throughout uh, all the grids in your application. So just in the column, you specify this column is of type, um, uh, double and uh, I want to have uh, like two digits after the dot and then you'll get it for free for the entire application you don't, don't need to provide any templates within the grid itself you just in your component page template you just write in the HTML you write the grid markup and you don't have to provide anything inside because you already defined a generic template same example can be for flag let's say you have a country and you want to show the flag so you can build one template that knows how to get the flag based on some code and then just display it. And that's it. And then in, when you create the column, you just say, hey, this column is of type country and then you get it for free uh, for the entire application. And then people can build their own um, text for, for columns and uh, use them and maybe publish them, which will be uh, then very easy for other people to use. Same concept I'm going to do in the future is to have also validators for the, for the, for the columns or um, things that can play with the column itself based on its, on its type. And this is a very powerful feature. I don't think I want to get too deep into the implementation, but in general, the implementation is based on the dependency injection mechanism of Angular. So you can define your templates in, in the root of your um, application, and then it is shared for the entire application, but you can also define a template within the, the grid, with, inside the content of the, of the grid uh, in the markup, and then it will override anything that you've previously done. 
you can play with it based on a dependency injection because the register service for templates it has uh, it's linked to a parent so you have everyone has a parent and the top level parent shares everything that you uh, created in the root app so it's very easy to overwrite and customize it. okay so this was uh, regarding the templating system which is very easy to use now you don't have to in, in, in material grid you have to do it for every time for every um, uh, instance that you are uh, rendering a template. Another thing that uh, is, is, is very easy is uh, how so do you create code. So yes. templating is a bit easier with ngrid is what you're saying, because that can be a yeah. pain. That can make it harder mm -hmm. to use because you have to retype and retype and copy. And what what happens when you want to maintain it, refactor it, it's very yeah. painful. Yeah, so okay, yeah. so the template size with your with ngrid is going to be a big selling point, it sounds like. Yeah, this is one of the things. Another okay. thing is the factories for creating a data source and for creating uh, columns. So basically, it's a um, fluent API style way of creating columns. So creating the columns in a grid is, can be very complicated because you have the classic header and footer, but you can also have multiple headers, uh, group, grouping and uh, other stuff. So it can be very hard to create. In, in the basic form, you create it using JSON objects. But uh, I also created a factory function that uh, is fl using Fluent API. You can create, you can create it in very, very easy and robust way. Define the table, define the default settings for the, all all of the columns, and then define the columns one by one. Of course, it supports uh, deep path access. So if you say x dot y dot z, it will access the object at x dot y dot z uh, using the properties or array also supported there. The other feature, nice feature is handling the data source. Uh, because if, if you tell, uh, think about grids uh, and data source, there are several complexities here that you need to address. For, for instance, um, if you have all of the data in your client, uh, then you want pagination, you want um, filtering and sorting to be local in the client, implemented within the client. But what if you have it in, on the server? If you have uh, pagination based on the server, sorting and filtering based on the server, and then you have to do a call every time uh, back and forth. So this was a challenge because I didn't want to create different ways of dealing with this. So the table comes with default sorting, filtering, and pagination ability for client-side uh, data sources, but all the data is in the client. But if you want to do it on a server side, you can do it very easily because it's the same implementation. And maybe I can show an example uh, just how easy it is uh, of course it exists uh, on the documentation well i think it, uh, it's better to point to the documentation because uh, people will hear it but won't see mm -hmm. ah, okay so we can we, uh, i can point to the documentation i just uh, paste a link as i do it so as you can see the site uh, if you can see of course and then uh, you have a data source factory that looks uh, it's easy to use Basically, this is what you need to create a data source. You just need to create a, a fetch function for the, for the source. You just provide a function, a handler, that goes and retrieves either a promise or an observable or an array uh, with data source. So this is a trigger function. So every time it gets called with a, an event object that tells you what to do. So uh, what's going on, sorry. So let's say I, give, I provide a function that returns a, an array of one to three, and then Someone wants the next page. So I, in the event handler, uh, I will get the reason for the trigger. So this can be a pagination mm -hmm. change. This can be a sort change. And of course, with the change. 
And then you can see that there are a lot of triggers. You can have a filter of, uh, trigger uh, request, and you can get the filter and do the filter by it. You can get a sort uh, page request, or you can get anything that uh, comes with uh, the event handler. And uh, you decide when you create the data source, you say, you can say, create data source and do manual triggers for filter, sorting, pagination, mm -hmm. or just for pagination. Then that data That's source cool. will do that for you. And you just need to handle the, the very basic um, get and uh, get request, usually, because it's a, it's a sync. And it works very nicely because usually you'll have those pagination in some kind of form or some kind of state. So if you do it in the context of your class or your component, you just need to call the function again. And because the data, the pagination for a data has changed in your form or in your state, it will just get that thing and post it again automatically. And it's when I use it in, the, in our application, it's very easy. It's very easy to do the data sourcing. It's very easy to get everything into place quickly. That's awesome. Yeah, that's powerful. I've used a couple of different tables and every table is different on how you pass the data. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I wanted to make it simple. Just give me a, 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 give me a function with the data. If you want to do something more complex, use the event handler for that. Do your logic. So everything should be very simple for the initial use. Hey, are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more. Or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Do you use a virtual scroll? Yes, I do have a virtual scroll. It's only, at the moment, it's only vertical scrolling. So if okay. you want to do spreadsheet-like thing, like with like 100 columns, there's no virtual scrolling, horizontal uh, scrolling uh, for that because of the reason that material, the CDK scrolling doesn't support both at the same time. So I, ha I wanted to implement it first and virtual was more important. So... I did a virtual scrolling for the first uh, phase. And I also wanted to know that there is a very, very smart way, a system for controlling the size, uh, the, the separation of uh, width for every cell, for every column. You can say, okay, this is uh, the grid. It's uh, X. Uh, it has a minimum width of, uh, I don't know, uh, 1,000 pixels. And then you can rearrange uh, the width of every cell. So you can give a cell the width of, in percentage or you can give it uh, in a fixed um, pixel value. If you give fixed values, if the total amount is going above the minimum of the width of the table, then you get the scroll bar, horizontal scroll bar, and uh, if it's less, uh, it will auto-complete it. Uh, for you, you can, there, there, there is a functionality for um, auto uh, do, uh, automatically adjust the width of columns, but and you can also send a min and max values for your uh, white width values for your columns. So you can say this is the minimum height of 20 pixel, but I want, to, I want it to be 20%. So it will grow, but uh, when it shrinks, it shrinks up to a point. And the same goes for max width, same thing, but in the other direction. So it's very smart and you can play with it. At some point it adds complexity because you need to understand what you're doing, but as with all features. That's really cool. It sounds like you've really put a lot of time and effort into the feature set. 
maybe to kind of change gears a little bit, can you talk a little bit about performance of the grid? So if I've got, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe I've got a large enterprise application and I'm loading in, you know, thousands or perhaps tens of thousands of, you know, records and data, how well does it handle kind of the performance and the scrolling and all that? Because the, the table uses virtual scroll, you can just, once you enable it, it will just, you know, walk out of the box. And there's no performance issues there because the, the implementation itself is using the virtual scroll from the CDK. So you max render the rows are depending on the viewport, but they are not more than like, I don't know, 10 or 15 or 20 rows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Actually in the DOM, right. Yeah, so then you can just uh, it, it just like uh, replace only the the data and not the DOM elements themselves once you scroll. So uh, you do get the performance there, but uh, of course it also depends on the implementation. If you if you create very complex cells, then it has to compute every time they render. Doesn't matter. Sure. Even if, if the DOM doesn't render, you still have a lot of uh, checks and, and uh, change detection cycles. Then you have a lot of bindings. It will be expensive. So basically, it does uh, have performance, but it's the same as AG Grid or any other grid. If you create very complex cell templates, then you have performance issues uh, based on you know the complexity of your cell. Sorry, that's uh, Mr. T. is with me. <laughs> By the way, the, because the, the grid itself, again, uses um, the CDK, virtual call, so you can see... Uh, Nobody will see it. Ah, okay. So I'll just say it. So th- because the grid is based on the CDK virtual scroll, you, you can have a fixed uh, scroll. So your rows height is based on a fixed uh, height in pixels, or you can have an automatic one that does the calculation. Uh, CDK does the calculation for you, and then you get the auto scroll automatically uh, calculated. And this is, uh, again, for free from the, from the CDK guys. So uh, you mentioned briefly about server-side rendering. Does this thing work in like native script and server-side rendering? Server-side rendering works because the table itself, documentation side is built using server-side rendering. So I generated the pages in HTML so, and then post them to GitHub. So uh, it supports SSO. Uh, so server-side rendering, when I tested it, works. I don't know about native script. Uh, this is if you use Material, it, it actually touches the DOM, Material itself, with overlays and other stuff in Material that does directly touch yeah. the DOM. Okay. Uh, it might so not work with native script, but it may work with Ionic, because Ionic's yeah, still yeah. in a web kit, right? It probably yeah. work, yeah. But uh, you also have, you know, we need to take into consideration that this is a very complex library, and I'm not sure it's possible or smart to, to go and pursue mm-hmm. things like, uh, you know, a native script or... Uh, Render it in, in render it in other uh, environment. It will be very very mm-hmm. complex because, because handling the virtual DOM itself, a virtual scrolling itself is very difficult. Then you have to have like direct access to rectangle calculations and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm not sure it will work and, and uh, it will be very easy to implement. Maybe I don't know. I think it's going to be very difficult. Okay. That's that, that. Actually, answered a lot of my questions for me. I uh, I could see this being a useful uh, piece to a project. Yeah, I have a serious question. Can you add like when when you do the virtual scroll? Can you add uh, like sound sound effects or something like <laughs> something like yes, that? Yes, yes, you can because you get events and uh, you can listen to them. And uh, I, I wouldn't do that, but 
I'm answer. sold. It's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Thank but, you. But that was my series. If you do mention virtual school, uh, there's a feature that I've implemented there, which is kind of related to me being crazy, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. So once you do virtual scrolling, the, the browser kicks in and does its magic with um, uh, GPU stuff. A uh, lot of the calculation and scrolling to get the smooth behavior, you need to use the GPU. Once this happens, no matter what you do in your JavaScript code, the refresh rate will be 60 frames per second. It doesn't matter. So you can do, you can see it happens in a lot of grids that once you do very, very fast scrolling, you'll get a blank, blank table that will render once the scrolling stops. This happens because virtual scrolling, especially if you have a mouse with a wheel, it's too fast for things to, to keep up rendering. So you just get a blank, um, a blank page, a, a blank table. And the reason for, behind that is that you go, uh, you virtually you go too far below and you, you don't see anything that's just below the, the rendered content. So this bothered me because I, I wanted to say, hey, if I wanted to limit uh, the scrolling pace, does not allow people to scroll very, very fast or uh, minimize it to a certain point. So I actually built a workaround for that. It's only for desktop, of course, because doing it for mobile devices is, uh, we just kill the experience because the scrolling is native with, with, with swipes. But for desktop, you can just say, hey, I don't want to uh, automatically use uh, scrolling uh, using GPU. I want to disable GPU scrolling and I want to limit it to a refresh rate that I, I define. So you can say, I want to have at least 25 frames per second rendered. So if you do that, you'll get the scrolling of 25 frames per second. If you go below that, you'll get the, uh, the blank string like, like normal behavior. So it's very cool because I also saw some people uh, that do use it, but it's, it's very nice because uh, you, you can actually choose. Uh, I want to have a blocking behavior. So you never get, if I scroll, you never get anything blocked, and you can also have an FPS counter that I've implemented within the grid, so you can see the FPS that happens, and you can have a threshold and say, okay, if I go below uh, 31, uh, do a blank screen, which happens here. And passive mode is just you know, the old way, and, and I think it happens on every grid out there, and uh, this helps people, crazy people like me to have, uh, to have this feature, and uh, that's it basically about this. Wow, nice. That sounds complicated. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was complicated, but it yes, drove me yes. crazy. And I just had to, you know, have the ability to have a blocking uh, rendering. So if you do a very, very, very fast scroll, you still see the page in front of you. The, the rows, they will just render one after the other. That's very cool. Can you talk a little bit about version support? So if I'm on Angular 6, 7, or 8, uh, can I expect this to work with my application, or do I have to be on the latest version of Angular? So, yeah, so that depends on the updates that you want to get. Because, for example, on version 7, uh, you can go and use any... Basically, the issue is the Ivy, because uh, from version 8, the entire compilation process has changed. And the metadata that uh, are published uh, are a bit different, and the other stuff uh, behind the scene that makes uh, it impossible for Angular 7 to run Angular 8 pack, uh, compiled packages. It's impossible. If you compile something for Angular, with Angular 8 compiler, it will not work with Angular 7. Right, but do you have a version that works with Angular 7? Yes, or? I do, but uh, since I've upgraded to Angular 8, uh, uh, okay. it doesn't get updates because it will be very complicated. 
just to roll it back in, sure. Yeah, just yeah, to yeah. work on version seven bug fix, you have to yarn everything back and install all the node modules, and it's crazy. Got it. And I don't have the power or capacity to do that. Yeah, and again, material version eight will not work on that, so I have to stick with material, and they don't update. So basically, they they say, hey, update Angular, don't don't stay behind. So you do have a version that works with Angular seven. But uh, uh, the same way that Angular uh, CDK doesn't have any following version for seven, the grid doesn't as well. Got it. So your best bet ultimately is probably to go with version eight, and and that's going to be yes. the best supported. Got it. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank know. you. Good. Good to know. I think my questions are all kind of wrapped up. How's everyone else feeling on questions? Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so thank you. Thank you guys for having me, and um, uh, thank you for Wait, the time. We still have picks. Yeah, we still have picks. And before picks, I kind of wanted to—I kind of wanted to talk about something that's kind of big for the community. If we could take a second. So when this show comes out, the very next day, tickets for NGConf go on sale. Woo-hoo! Yeah, grab them while they're hot. I mean, this is the greatest show. This 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 event is is fun, and um, this is the this great shy will be great show. What? Shy will be there? No. Don't give me no back talk, sucker. Shy will be there? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I will. I will be there. <laughs> you both sound so sure. Well, this is a statement in question form because Shy is on a speaking hiatus. Anyway, I know, I know that Lisa will be there. Well, oh, my goodness. Would not miss it for the world. B-Love will be there. Absolutely. Same B-Love here. will be giving a workshop. That's right. I'm going to be doing the Angular Fundamentals two-day workshop ahead of the conference. So That's if cool. you're new to Angular, come out and join me and take a deep dive into yeah. uh, TypeScript and Angular and all things yeah. around that. So tickets go on sale October 1st, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's GMT minus, minus seven? seven, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus seven, yeah. yeah. So that means... Like late in the afternoon for people in Europe, I guess, right? What's that like? Four p.m., three, five p.m. It's like five p.m. Europe time. Anyway, those those first tickets, they're the like the best deal. They they kind of disappear almost immediately, and then the rest of the tickets will be on sale kind of immediately thereafter. But the other thing that kind of kicks off that day is the CFP, and I kind of wanted to take a second and chat about that because CFPs are hard, right? Like, am I talking to myself? CFPs can be scary. Yes, they are. They, they are, are hard. And, re- <laughs> and getting rejected is even worse. <laughs> Thanks, Shai. Uh, the sincerity in that, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't know. They're scary. They're, they're scary a lot of people. And um, I just wanted to throw this out there that, um, you know, I'm always available on Twitter to review, like, an idea someone might have. And if you're a home address. If you want to come over to my house, even, then you could just stop by. I live in Tel Aviv. No. Um, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> Yeah. So, but if you invite me to tacos, I'll probably be like, yeah, let's go get tacos, and I'll talk to you about your talk. Um, taco, talking about talks at tacos. Tacos. Um, yeah. Okay. So, but I just wanted to throw that out there. If anyone has any ideas, bounce them off of me at, um, on the Twitters. And I'm guessing Alyssa, Shy, Brian, you guys will be willing to help out with that stuff too? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Of course. 
Yeah, the the three of you guys are veteran speakers at the conference and at a lot of conferences. So if anyone has needs any help, reach out to us on Twitter because um, it can be scary to try and get your ideas accepted by the community. And we want to make sure that um, that you have the support you need and that you're not just kind of floating out your raw ideas without bouncing them off someone first. Okay. I have a talk suggestion for anyone who is interested. It's Let's called it. Ivy Watt. Ivy okay. Watt. Yeah, yeah. Everybody will, you know, be on the same page. Everybody will know, you know, about Ivy because it's released. Anyway, uh, so no, no, just kidding. But uh, yeah, feel free. I always help like anyone who needs me uh, and I feel happy to do it. So feel free to do it. Yeah, reach out. So that's kind of, I just kind of wanted to run that up the flagpole let everyone know because it's coming up soon. Um, and Aaron, when does the CFP open? Oh, sorry. My bad. It opens at the same time tickets go on sale. So it starts October 1st. <laughs> so okay, we're here perfect. having this private conversation because I thought CFP had closed. So I'm panicking. <laughs> oh, no, no. She, she went to the speaker list on ngconf.org and was like, oh, no. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. How did I miss it? <laughs> no, so the, the speakers that are there right now, they're the last year speakers. We haven't kind of updated. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a huge relief. You had me right. going. Shame on you. Sorry, let me talk about dates for those. So the tickets will will sell until they're gone. It's kind of first come, first serve. Then the CFP, let's talk about dates around the CFP. So the CFP will open October 1st and it will close. We like to give people kind of United States holiday break to kind of submit their ideas and get them in. So we close the CFP around January 1, January 2nd. So and then we pick the talks. I think this year, let me look real quick. Hold on. We're going to pick the talks shortly after we close the CFP. I think that we're picking them on January 10th. So, and that's like a crazy process. Alyssa was there last year. She knows. Crazy how. fun, you mean? Oh, it's not. It's hard. <laughs> it's like 24 hours straight, uh, start to finish. No, I loved it though. There's a lot of passion and a lot of thought put into it. It was beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so you've got from October 1st till, you know, January 1, basically. Let's just say that. So you got three months to submit your talk ideas to kind of get embedded. And if you have 10 ideas across three months, submit all 10. Uh, you don't have to wait till the very end to submit them all. You can submit them as they come to your mind. But, but yeah. yeah. Are you encouraging people to submit 10 ideas? Uh, I wouldn't submit 10, but I would submit more than one. Yeah. I would take my 10 and I would submit the best three or four. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, un- unrelated question. When are the RxJS live videos coming up? Unrelated? Sort of unrelated. Yeah, so the RxJS live videos, they're actually already, they're already slowly starting to roll out. But my man, Owen, and I, we're not professional video editors. And so we got them already, but it takes about four hours to render each one. And so we're just kind of, as we get a chance, we'll render one and put it out there. And then... It takes four hours from the time we tell it to render though. So it's kind of a mess, but we're slowly putting them out there. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, like Capehes went out yesterday on Twitter. Go follow the RxJS Live Twitter account and you'll see them kind of stroll out once they're ready. And cool. then they'll be up on the site cool. as well. Good Thanks. So yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's the NGConf announcement. So uh, I, I know there's a lot of people want to know about that, so I just figured I'd float that out there. But anyway, should we move on to picks? Yep. Yep. All right. I'm going to go first because I got to jump off. I'm doing an RxJS workshop with Kingster right now. So 
I'm going to go first if that's cool. And then Shai, you can, you can go from there. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually going to pick connecting with your children. So I started, uh, I listened to, because of Jennifer, I started listening to Tay Tay. And then I was like, nah, I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to do Miley and I'm going to do Billie Eilish. I'm going to do Post Malone. I started listening to the music my kids are listening to. And I was like, I'm going to trick my kids into thinking I'm cool. And then, uh, seriously, seriously though, I'm driving home Thursday night and my daughter, we're singing, uh, who are we singing? We're singing Miley. And she's like, dad, that's so cool that you listen to our music and sing it with us. Like, that's really cool. So I'm just saying, uh, connect with your kids however you can. Cause that felt cool when my daughter said that that was awesome. So anyway, that's my pick connecting with your kids. Thanks. I'll go uh, go second. I have one pick about uh, a good blog post that's called The Magic of ArcGIS Sharing Operators and Their Differences, which is very, uh, very cool, cool uh, medium post, a uh, blog post that I will paste in the show notes. And another thing that I got in uh, as a gift yesterday is a book by <laughs> Will Ferrell, uh, Ron Burgundy, Let Me Off at the Top. Very funny book. I'll put a link <laughs> to that as well. So those are my picks. All right, cool. I'm next. So kind of uh, in line with the ArxJS live videos, which I didn't realize those were already uh, coming out, which is very cool. The NGDE videos are up. I think maybe that was a week or so ago. Uh, so also some great content available on YouTube for uh, the NGDE conference a uh, month or so ago. And then Angular Connect, their live stream, uh, you can check it out. It's a little hard. They haven't pieced it up yet or, you know, chopped all the videos up uh, for each one. But it was like eight hours long. But you can kind of scrub through it and and find a particular talk or something that you want to listen to and watch. So definitely go check out those free uh, resources on YouTube. And that's my picks. So, so the NGDE videos are up as well? Yes. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and they're, they've got a whole playlist. So you can go through each one. And can you put uh, the link? I will. Okay, thanks. Okay, Shlomi, what are your picks? Uh, okay, so I didn't plan for picks, but uh, I do have something that I like to recommend. And it also, it's from Angular Connect. If you want to know more about the performance of JavaScript, not Angular in particular, but JavaScript in, in uh, specifically, uh, in general, sorry, go and see Mishko's um, uh, um, presentation on Angular Connect. I know that uh, they still haven't split it into chunks yet, uh, into uh, uh, session-based uh, uh, videos, but it's called How We Make uh, Angular Fest. You can find it. Uh, I can maybe post a link later with the specific uh, minute uh, in, in, the, in the live stream, but in general, he talks about the way that the browser uh, access uh, memory access objects and how they store data and how cache work optimization the optimization very very nice stuff very very cool stuff if you want to if you want to understand more about how javascript work and how to write better code i think that this is a, a very very a nice thing to watch and get a smartphone yeah and to add up to uh, to this uh, watch every talk mishko ever gave every one of them is amazing so that one is on the angular connect YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, I think that in his Twitter account, he has the link to the presentation to the GitHub repository with all the sources and the tools that he's using to do benchmarking and also a link to the um, uh, video itself. 
Nice. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, so Shlomi, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'm wrapping up the episode for uh, Frosty because he had to go. And uh, thank you for all the panelists. Uh, thank you guys. Joined us. And we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.